on this episode of Why Watch That. Sounds like uh, Brigadoon. Or no, not Br- Bridgerton. Bridgerton. <laughs> <laughs> I know I used that now. <laughs> I know, right? And then, you know, her sister's off in Japan preparing for the Olympics. Really, she's preparing to be Ariel in The Little Mermaid. But, you know. <laughs> Carousel comes to mind, you know. His name is Mr. Snow, that thing in Oklahoma. Oh, what a beautiful, all that stuff. Now, Jay Krakowski is credited for all six episodes, but I have not seen her. <laughs> so I don't know if she's hiding in the back, but Jane Krakowski. There's a man played by Nick. He lives alone in a cabin in the Oregonian wilderness. Well, he's not quite alone, wait a minute, because he lives with his pig. Why watch that as a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head to head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome Welcome to to Why Watch Watch That. This episode of Why Watch That is supported by Entrepreneur Meal Plan. It helps leaders and professionals feed their bodies and business as well. You know, Critic, I got Mm. a chance to attend a wonderful event by EMP here Uh in Los Angeles. And it was so amazing because Brandy Cochran was able to gather people from all sorts of walks of life. We were able to gather together, have real talk and some real good food too. Mm -hmm. It was a hit. It's food for the soul and the body, which is so hard to find. So if you want to learn more about Entrepreneur Meal Plan, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, go to entrepreneurmealplan.com. The Why Watch That Talk. Well, listeners, we have got a mishmash posh porridge. We'll call oh. this the Why Watch That Porridge, because you're going to want to say more, please. Yeah, that's what I was waiting for. You know, this is um, during the time of the year where a lot of people are going on vacation. Things have opened back up. Um, and, you know, the question then becomes, what does TV and, and, and film offer during the summer? And we've talked a lot on the show about the summer TV show, like uh, that movie Catch that you liked. Um, oh, yeah, The Catch. The, the Catch. I think it was Shonda Rhimes, right? It was uh, Shonda Land, yes. She definitely, oh, man, what a what a wide range she has. But mm-hmm. that was such a summer thrill. You also pushed for this, Critic, that Good Girls should have been released in the summer Because it was such a, it was one of the, it's something you just, it's fun. You want to pop, you know, open a spritzer. Oh yeah, they did. I know you're still nicked about that, but, Mm. but now it's not stopping because Mm -hmm. some of the TV shows that um, we've been going through over the years have returned for a season. We've got a very familiar show in with a facelift (laughs) <laughs> a makeover um and then you know of course then we get into some you know other things 
<laughs> that I don't know why, what it's doing. It's so, very interesting. It's very interesting to say the least. Let us dive deep into that facelift that I was referring to. Uh-oh. Gossip Girl is back, but with a twist. Mm. It ain't the Gossip Girl that you grew up with, uh, you you older millennial. Um, instead, <laughs> it's rebooted on HBO Max, and you got a chance to see the start of it. Now, Gossip Girl, I'm going to have to... This is where I start to... I am not a millennial. I'm technically at the very, 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 very end of Gen X. But I grew up with... Like, I grew up more along the millennial line of the older millennial. Here's where I break down. Pretty Little Liars... Gossip Girl, Mm -hmm. the OC, Mm. One Tree Hill are all a blur. I I have no, I I literally could not tell you what happens where. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't, they are all one show to me. And I Mm. know that Blake Lively was in one of them and, you know, okay, well, there you go. So (laughs) it's just... Those four shows to me, I mean, I could, you know, I can talk a little bit about Dawson Creek, but that was a precursor yes. to that. I think it, I think it went like Dawson Creek. I mean, well, obviously it was 90210. I mean, that's mm-hmm. more my era. Um, but I was still too young to really understand it. But One Tree Hill and, you know, Pretty Little Liars, Gossip Girl, and the yeah. other one I said, just really. I mean, I don't know if they were all on CW, but I tell you, it, it CW was kicking a, yeah. you know, when it came when it comes to this. And now, HBO Max has brought it back. iCarly was brought back on uh, Paramount Plus, so you're going to start to see a lot of shows either being brought back or rebooted. Yeah. Yes. Um, so this is on HBO Max, six episodes. Um, it's going to be released weekly, and the remaining six will be coming in the fall. Mm-hmm. So 12 episodes all together. What is going on here? Is this a literal, here's a question, especially for the fans out there, because you listeners probably did, you know, grow up watching Gossip Girl. Is this a literal reboot or is this an updated other take on mm-hmm. Gossip Girl? Yeah. Well, it's a continuation. Um, so it, you know, Gossip Girl went dormant and now in this new season, of course, there are new kids. It's in real time. We have the teaching staff and Gossip Girl is discovered. And they're like, oh, it was a blog. I mean, you know, a blog. <laughs> I haven't seen that in so long. So the teachers discover it for a particular reason. And then Gossip Girl comes back to unearth the secrets of this, you know, hoity-toity Upper East Side private school. Sounds like uh, Brigadoon. Or no, not Br- Bridgerton. Bridgerton. <laughs> <laughs> I know I used that now. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yes. So what happens is we're reintroduced, well, we're introduced to the new class of students. Well, not even the new class. We're introduced to the people who are there at the school. Um, so and, uh, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Other actors from the show have come back from the no. previous show. Okay. Mm-mm. So it is a reboot in that sense. It is a new cast. Um, so we see 
the students who are currently there. Of course, there's one student who's going to join, you know, as a freshman and that kind of thing. And we see the hierarchy. And really, it's students versus students because this, the new kid on the block, she comes in and, you know, she's not received well because she has a connection to the person who's at the top of the school socially. Okay. Now, I won't give away what that connection is, but that click, the top click of friends doesn't like her. But what about the person who has a connection to her? How do they think about each other is the question. So we also see how these students, you know, they're very rich, all of that, how they treat the teachers who are not very rich. They don't treat them well. They're rather nasty to the teachers. Like, uh, I will get you fired. Uh-huh. That kind of thing. Okay. So what we see is, As this new student enters, what are the ropes like to become famous? And because of the way that the students relate to the teachers, Gossip Girl comes back, like I was saying. And Gossip Girl needs to know the tips and will release them on these students. Who's behind Gossip Girl is always the question. And of course, uh, in this, we see all of these different relationships. There are people who are dating other people and they're, but they're <laughs> looking at other people instead. And, you know, now we have all of the things you would expect from a teen show in Gossip Girl. I mean, looking back on Gossip Girl, the original, it's fairly tame now. So here's what I would say. The writing is shaky. And that amplifies the dull acting. And then you add in being woke and having social media cultures, and you add in the vapidness that just comes with this, it was just groan-inducing for me. Um, Now, the original Gossip Girl, when everybody watched it, it was fun. It was fresh. What was nestled in all those shows that we just talked about also. Yes, yeah. And if you go back to the original, it hasn't aged that well, okay? Of course not. (laughs) Okay. But regardless of that, now this show, I was bored by them. I didn't find anybody likable. None of them. Uh, The teachers especially. I thought they were whining and desperate. Pathetic. I thought it was ridiculous. I mean, they should be underpaid, these teachers. Everybody's talking about teachers need to be paid more. I am one. They should be underpaid. And you'll see why. Plus, the twist they try to throw in one of them is you know who Gossip Girl is from the start. And I know they're probably going to play around with that. But who cares? Yeah. Once you do that. So this isn't pretty emptiness. It's just emptiness. There isn't one interesting character in the bunch that I could tell from the first episode. Ouch. The best thing I would say is Kristen Bell is back doing the voice of Gossip Girl again. At least you can hear Kristen and go, okay, I'll think back to the original show. Don't watch it. Oh, because she returns. She returns as the voice. Um, But what they needed to do, Raph, is freshen up the original, not plop the same kind of stuff into today's world with a lame twist. The concept, especially now, is tired. But I would say this. If you go back to Gossip Girl, the original, and you like it, then maybe check this out. Hmm. Uh, Now, we're not rebooting, but we are welcoming back a show. And this show also starts with a G. And it is called (laughs) Gronish. It's back. Now, Grownish, we're we're graduating ref from high school to college. And this is like their senior year, is it not? In this season. So tell us what's going on with Zoe and everybody else. We know it's messy. 
Go ahead. It's complicated. Now, I did, I thought, oh, I'm done with this show. But Mm -hmm. I felt since I had made it through their junior year, I may as well keep going and finish it out. Um, So we have the summer before their senior year. And they are in Mexico because it is time to get that one more party in before, you know, senior year kicks in as well as, you know, life. Put it that way. Now, at the end of season three, it's official. Zoe and Aaron are an item. They've been on and off, been on and on and off and on and off for the entire duration of the series. Well, it's official. They're now together and they are in love in Mexico. But Zoe has plans because she's invited all of her crew to come for this last shindig and she's got a laundry list of things to do Mm. um, just to solidify the memories. Well, she does get a rude awakening when everybody comes, but they are not interested in being all in each other's grill Mm. because things got complicated season three, namely Anna and Javi. Anna found a true love, but as we learned in season three, he's celibate (laughs) and so she had to make some decisions about Mm -hmm. um because she is not celibate and she made some sacrifices the question is at the beginning of season four is that still working Mm -hmm. (laughs) and if it ain't working why there's an interesting plot twist between the two of them and then we know that nomi who um did get pregnant. <laughs> yeah. She is now with, she's had her child and she's left the wee Todd at home for the couple of days, but she's still hung up on the fact that her baby daddy, which was a one night stand has not responded to the fact that he has a child. So that's mm-hmm. going on in the back of her mind. So she's not really in it to win it. Vivek, as we know, was intense with his love interest. They're broken up, but before he left, he got busted. Now, we know Vivek was dealing, right? Mm. He's been dealing since jump. And so he's his lawyer said, go and enjoy this time. I'll take care of everything. Don't worry. Is that working out for Vivek? Then there's Jazz. Jazz and Doug, who have broken it off because Jazz, you know, tipped out. And... Well, they were broken up, but she did tip out. Mm. And Doug can't get over that. They cannot get back together. So how awkward is it for them to be on vacation together, single? So there's some complication there. And then, you know, her sister's off in Japan preparing for the Olympics. Really, she's preparing to be Ariel in The Little Mermaid. But, (laughs) you know, but, you know, she's not there. And then, of course, there's Luca. Luca, I just was surprised to see him on this vacation because <laughs> we know that because the, all the back and forth with uh, Aaron and Zoe was a result of Luca because Zoe and Luca have been back and forth. But, it, but Luca um, is in an open relationship. He kind of fell in love last season, and but he's in Mexico doing his own thing. Now, the question really then becomes... As we see Aaron and Zoe go deeper into their love, is Luca just gonna hang back and allow mm. this to happen? 
does he still have feelings for Zoe? You know how Gronish does. You never know when these two end up together. And then by the end of the episode, Zoe and Aaron do something very, very crazy. Hmm. The title is called Drunken Love. And what they do changes everything. And in fact, it changes things so much so that the uh, local authorities have to get involved. Dun, dun, dun. What is next for Aaron and Zoe? Because again, they did some crazy stuff that could affect the rest of their senior year. Or at least Mm. her senior year. Aaron already graduated. Mm. All right. So there we are with Gronish. You know what? Here's the thing. I think with all shows, just like Blackish, Gronish has left the dock. I mean, it's it's left the that that sting that Blackish had and and that it had, um, which is exploring what does it mean to be grown, what does it mean to be black, ish. Mm-hmm. And um, I think they're doing a good job of of staying true to their characters, but it's not. There's no spice to it. But I'm going to keep watching because, especially after this last episode, I need to know how this is all going to shake out. Mm. So there you have it. That's on FX. And then it's on Hulu the next day. So if you ain't got FX, mm. you probably do. Freeform. Freeform. I'm sorry. Why did mm-hmm. I say FX? I don't know why I said <laughs> um, Here's uh, something that isn't on either of those. Oh. A why watch that sneak peek? It's called Schmigadoon. Now you heard me say Brigadoon. <laughs> and you some of you may have thought, oh, that musical? <laughs> Schmigadoon. Hmm. Which is you could say the same thing. Oh, that musical? This is on Apple TV Plus. This is a sneak peek for us. We got a chance to check it out. It's about six episodes in total. It comes out Friday on the 16th. The ref checked out about four episodes. The critic checked out about one and a half yeah. <laughs> episodes <laughs> and Schmigadoon and Brigadoon it's no coincidence because they are both musicals hmm. now the question is with Schmigadoon this parody of a musical is this the next Brigadoon I mean I mean is this something we are going to be running to Apple TV plus to, to watch because when you start listening off that cast I might get my track shoes on to run. Oh. But will I be stopped in those tracks? Oh, well. Now, what I'm going to do, Raph, I'm going to talk about this from a high level. If you want to get down and dirty and specific, go ahead. Now, there are two doctors at a hospital. That's where we start. And they meet cute at a vending machine. Yeah, they do. Years pass. And you know what happens. Now, you know, the relationship is okay. That's enough for him, but not enough for her. So they go on a retreat to rekindle the flame. That's her idea. And wind up in Schmigadoon. And this is a town straight out of a classic musical. So like the ref is saying, Brigadoon, which I don't know Brigadoon, sorry, but Brigadoon. Oklahoma more. Think Oklahoma. That's where I'm going. That's where I'm going next. Rogers and Hammerstein, like the ref is saying, Carousel comes to mind, you know, his name is Mr. Snow, that thing in Oklahoma. Oh, what a beautiful, all that stuff. That's the kind of thing. The Wizard of Oz even, and so on. 
But think of this, my friends. Pleasantville, the movie. Like in Pleasantville, they can't get out of Schmigadoo. So how will they mesh with all of the classic personalities, good and evil, Kristen Genoweth, from an old-fashioned musical? This is the question. Will they challenge the outdated stereotypes? Will they be challenged in return? Plus, in these musicals, there's no privacy. Everything's seemingly out in the open, okay? And there's no room for modern relationships. So here's what I'd say. If you like classic musicals and you want to see them clash with today's cynicism and awareness, or in short, if you just want to see an updated Pleasantville in musical form, but it's not a movie, it's an episodic TV show, then check this out. Well, let's, I mean, one thing we didn't do was say who's in it. So Fred Armisen is in it. You've got also Kristen Chenoweth, who is a darling on the small screen as well as on the stage. Mm -hmm. Holy crap. Alan Cumming is in it. Ariana Du Bois dancing. And Keegan-Michael Key and Cecily Strong as the couple together. Now, Jay Krakowski is credited for all six episodes, but I have not seen her. (laughs) So I don't know if she's hiding in the back, but Jay Krakowski, lover in TV world, she's an amazing performer. And then if you got, uh, you know, Aaron uh, uh, Tivitt is also in it. I mean, these are musical people, people on Broadway yeah. who headline. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Tony Award winning Kristen Chenoweth. Yes. So that's the cast. And, you, and you've and you got a musical and you've got a spoof of a musical. And, and a lot of the people that I named off are, you know, comedic actors. Yes. It should work. Mm. It should work. It should totally work. And you've got Lauren Michaels, SNL's Lauren Michaels, spearheading this thing as the lead EP on this. Why doesn't this work? Well, mm. here's why. It's difficult for anybody. I don't care if you are... I don't care if you are Stephen Sondheim. It's hard to do a six-hour musical. It just is. Mm. And that's essentially what this is. It's just a lot of music, a lot of dancing, but not all at a level that's going to keep my attention for six episodes. And then on top of that, unfortunately, I do have to add, it is described as a spoof. I mean, Schmigadoon, Brigadoon. Right. Their opening number, they spell Schmigadoon in the melody of Oklahoma. I mean, Mm -hmm. they're just, you know, really poking fun. um, Cecily Strong's character even says to um, her, I was going to say fiance, but her significant other, um, hey, you know, you've got to sing in this. And he was like, why? He goes, she goes, because when you run out of words, that's what you do in a musical. You sing. And if if you're too emotional to sing, then you dance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's, they're defining the rules there. But it's not a spoof. Yeah, it's not making fun of musicals. I mean, it tries to at some point. Alan Cumming, good job, but it—it's not. Yeah, it's just trying to be a musical. And I tell you what, those are hard shoes to fill. I wouldn't go anywhere near it. So if it were something you said, Pleasantville, I would say more Spamalot, like literally spoofing Camelot, literally spoofing. Yeah. 
you know, having obnoxious numbers and it doesn't do that. So, but if you wanted to hear all those people (laughs) that I listed off in a musical TV, if you already have Apple, I think you're going to know in the first two episodes, the first episode, you're kind of like, okay, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. And then by the second episode, if you make it to the end, you'll know if this is for you or not. Even the strongest of us Broadway heads, if you make it through, that'll be something to hear about. It, I mean, even just, Kristen Chenoweth, like it's Kristen Chenoweth. You've got to don't you've got to use her as yeah. much as you can. I mean, I yeah. saw Give her, her Tony Award women performance. Come on, and you're a good man, Charlie Brown. Come on now. Why are you telling me? Look it up. Okay. Well, there that is. I thought you were going to take the high ground. All right. Pig. Pig, which is coming to us in theaters. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's all you can. I mean, you got to go see it. This is the only way to see it. Um, on July 16th, on Friday as well. It's got all the ingredients. <laughs> no pun. Oh, yeah. But very fun. good. Very good. It's got all the ingredients, but the Looks question like is. <laughs> the question is, can Michael um, Cernotsky, who's the director and writer, salvage this thing along with Nicolas Cage starring? You know, you got Adam Arkin and um, Alex Wolf also in it. And this is coming to us from Neon. So we already know if it's coming to us from Neon, it's odd, strange, with a twist, quirky, but not a quirky strange, not mm-hmm. quirky like... Um, lighter so you know what is going on here i mean if you look at the poster yes. i thought it was donald sutherland <laughs> <laughs> look at it it looks just like donald sutherland i was like oh my gosh donald sutherland is and it's you know shaded and you got pig by it and you realize it's nicholas cage so yeah and that poster pretty much sold it for me. I was like, I've got to see this. Now, what is this? What is it? And I was like, Nicholas Cage, what? Neon? Uh, okay. Truffles? Pigs? I mean, right, come yeah. on. I, uh, truffles. I was like, pig, Nicholas Cage, and Neon. <laughs> so here's what happens. There's a man played by Nick. He lives alone in a cabin in the Oregonian wilderness. Well, he's not quite alone. Wait a minute. Because he lives with his pig. Now, this is a man who never met a word he'd rather not say. So living with a pig is ideal. Plus, he and the pig, they enjoy the wondrous meals that the man conjures out of ingredients that would make a foodie swoon. But there's more to this pig than meets the eye. This pig forages for troubles. And that allows the man to earn enough of a living as a truffle hunter to support his meager existence. But exactly who does this man sell these truffles to? Well, there's a young man he sells them to, played by Alex Wolf, who couldn't be more different from him. And But wait a minute, you go, okay, he's selling him. He's living alone with a pig. Why? Did something happen to him? Well, this is what happens. The pig is kidnapped. So the man has to go on a hunt to bring the pig back. And that forces him to return to his past in Portland 
and confront his demons. But who helps him? Who can he trust? And where does he have to go to get that pig? Well, I will tell you this, you won't see much of it coming, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's outlandish. Now, here's what I have to say. It is nice to see Nicolas Cage simplify his work throughout much of this movie. Alex Wolf provides a nice contrast, and they're surrounded by a cast of actors who seem like they're actually the people they're portraying for the most part. As far as the film overall, it's somewhere in between First Cow and Deborah Granick's work, so Winter's Bone, Leave No Trace, uh, with the merest whiff, merest just a little, little taste of what Liam Neeson would do if he lost his treasured pig. Okay, so <laughs> you that could not have been a more pretentious description. You're like first cow that nobody saw. Um, blah blah blah. blah. <laughs> it's like you sound like a truffle. You sound like a truffle hunter or a truffle sampler. <laughs> and then I brought it home with Liam Neeson. Everybody knows that. But speaking of that, this is more accessible than first cow. It has greater momentum if you saw that, and it's less gut wrenching than Deborah Granick's work, because it does have a sense of humor and it's really sourced uh, from the clash of who the man was and is and how that's received by the society he used to be a part of. So if what I said interests you and or if you're a foodie, watch this. It's not perfect, but it's indie entertainment. That's what I would call it. And it actually has a heart which anchors its ridiculous sounding premise. I did enjoy it. Well, I have to say that that description would never get anywhere with that poster. I don't think any foodie would run to watch Pig based on that poster. No. Let's move on to a first look. (laughs) Oh, I watched that first look. That is on HBO Max. It's called No Sudden Move. And this came out at the top of the month. This, of course, is coming to us from Steven Soderbergh. I mean, once he starts, this man can get, you know, Faye Dunaway to wear a chicken suit. (laughs) I mean, he he pulls in the actors. um, And of course, he this is no exception. Before I get into that, this is direct or excuse me, written by Ed Solomon and the cast. Holy moly, scrolly. It's got Don Cheadle, Belnicio uh, Del Toro, David Arbor, who's in the latest Black Widow, mm-hmm. John Hamm, you know, Amy Schmeitz, uh, Brandon Fraser, uh, Kieran Culkin, Noah Jube. I mean, just on and on. I could just go, Ray Liotta and Bill Duke. You can't go wrong there. Can you? Oh, well, we'll see because it is 1954 in the oh. great city of Detroit. And a trio of gangsters who've never met each other before get hired to do an easy day job. You know, I mean, look, it's not even going to last that long. But right away, Ronald Russo, played by Benicio, has a problem working with Kurt Boynes, played by Don Cheadle. But why? Also, neither wants to work with a particular man which they separately make very clear to Doug Jones, played by Brendan Fraser, the man who put them and fellow miscreant Charlie, played by Kieran, together. 
But who is this man whom Kurt and Ronald don't want to work with? And Ray why Liotta, it's gotta well, be. Or I didn't say it? anything. And why <laughs> don't they want to work with him? This somebody in the cast that you didn't mention, and I'm glad you didn't, but there we go. Now, regardless, yeah. Charlie seems to know more about everything that's going on, and he fills them in on the score. Plus, Charlie knows more about Kurt than does Ronald and vice versa. And there's plenty to know about them. See where all this is going, you see? After all, there has to be a reason for the three criminals to agree to do a job with people they've never met before. There has to be more to it than money, right? So these three toughs pay a certain family a little visit. Mom and dad and their older son and younger daughter. But for what reason? Well, dad has access to a certain document and they were hired to get it by a certain time. So one of them will go with dad to retrieve the document. The others will babysit the rest of the family. But who goes and who stays? And what could go wrong? Well, everything. But why? Well, in pursuit of the answer to that question, all kinds of people get involved from legitimate bosses and crime bosses to secret and not so secret lovers to curious detectives to all kinds of people with access to grind. And finally, to seemingly untouchable wealthy people in general with ironclad power. So here's what I have to say. You got to pay attention to this movie from the beginning. Because Soderbergh and Solomon who wrote it throw you right into the formation of the trio without telling you who the characters are and what they're getting into. So you learn those things over time. This is the kind of movie that needs to come with a manual. Why can't it just be clear? I can't take it. My brother said to me, they're trying to be clever. So here's the question. Is this worth paying so much close attention to? Well, I'll say this. It's not bad at all. However, with all of these moving pieces and a desire to throw the viewer off track, the pulse of the narrative is disjointed. It's a mess of double crossing. So much so, by the way, that you just expect it. You just go, okay, here comes another double cross. You get revelations, you get lots of talking. All they needed to do was think of the viewing experience. I'm Look, think of the viewer instead of focusing on making something complicated and aesthetically effective. The viewing experience is number one. So with that said, look, if you wanna watch this, you should watch it. If you wanna see what would happen, if Soderbergh wanted to turn Ocean's Eleven, his Ocean's Eleven, into a decent noirish sort of movie that attempts to address certain social issues in a nebulous sort of way. Ultimately, I just didn't feel like this movie was worth all of the work. Well, you know, that goes along with, you know, his last movie that he did with um, Barrel Street. It's just, mm. it's, you know, come on. All right. That's what happened there. That's it. That's all we got for you. If you think that any of that interests you, it's all out now um, or will be coming out soon. A little summer fun, a little summer mystery, and then just some summer skip it. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea. And we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.